So in today's episode, we're going to talk about how to monetarily value leadership. And this is a great question and something that everybody in leadership should understand. Stay tuned. In a world of incompetent bosses, micromanagers, and petty tyrants, one management professor claims that he can help you become the kind of leader that you would want to follow. You are listening to The Leader Smith. Now, here is your host, Darren Gertis. Okay, so in today's episode, I have something really special for you, and that is uh, I had a student that spent two semesters working on this topic. How do you, what's the monetary value of leadership? How do you quantify it? And how do you know how much it's worth? And Teresa Petkovic is here. She was uh, one of my students. By the way, she is now no longer a student. She is an alum. Uh, So how's that feel, by the way? It feels crazy. Um, so seven years between my bachelor's and my graduate, I just went straight through. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So what are you doing with all this extra free time now? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, I thought I'd have more than I have. So. Yeah, it's it's remarkable. But you think like I had spent all this time on school and then it's like this vacuum that get, gets created where all your time dissipates immediately. It's it's a really uncanny thing. Um, so I knew what I was asking when I asked that question. OK, so. Teresa, again, she studied this topic of like, what is, how do you value, um, you know, leadership? I mean, how do you put a a price tag on it? And she looked at it from multiple anger angles, anger. (laughs) That's almost like a a Freudian slip of some, some sort for when you first started. Because when I first assigned this to you, you were like, huh? I'm going to (laughs) do, tell me about that. When you first got the topic, you were, you were a little, um, uh, nervous about it unsure maybe uh like what are, what are we doing here yeah when i when i first got the topic i was a little like i don't i don't know i don't know what to do with this um so i, I it's not something that i had really thought about so it really got me thinking in a different direction and a different way of looking at leadership and in a few weeks, I was very confident that you were, you were going to find some good stuff. And you found great stuff. I mean, uh, after about five weeks, I was like, yeah, you're right. And this was two semesters <laughs> worth of going through this. But after about five weeks, I was, every time I got a paperback, I was excited because I was seeing more and more great things. Uh, but it took a little while to get to get started. Let me give you the background. You, you weren't aware of this. So when I, I assigned you this topic, but this was a few years after I wrote a case study uh, called The Cost of Leadership. And what it was was uh, focused just after the 2008 crash. And this happened all over. This happened all over America, I'm sure. But it was looking at a university. They didn't replace a vice president thinking, hey, we're going to save this two hundred thousand dollars or however much they pay him um, by by not filling that place. But what's the actual cost of leadership when you didn't fill him? Now he was the vice president of like student affairs and that kind of like over everything non-academic, right? Overall, the everything going on. Well, now clubs were collapsing and professors were frustrated and speakers that could have come in and given the, the you know great publicity weren't being brought in. And so, yes, you're saving 200000 but you're losing so much more because all the coordinating functions have went away. But wait a minute, didn't he have assistance? Yes, but the coordinating function, the, the boundary spanning wasn't there. 
And so that, so you, you could see the 200,000 you were saving. You couldn't see the more than 200,000 that you were losing. And so that made me start thinking, hmm, I wonder. And so I saw a, a little bit in the literature at the time. That's why I was telling you, like, I know it's out there, right? Because I went and I saw some of it about what the value of leadership is. Uh, but then when we assigned this to you, wow, we learned a lot. So let's let's work through this and talk about what we learned and how. And there are basically about three major categories that we want to talk about here. Um, so how does leadership affect the bottom line? That's that's the first big category, the ROI, the return on investment. Tell me about that. Right. So, I mean, that was that was huge. Um, so we know that, you know, businesses hire leaders because they're looking for them to add some value to the business and, you know, found in the research really that good leaders create more value than bad leaders. Seems pretty obvious, but, um, you know, just then digging in, like taking that and digging into that a little bit more. Um, you know, and finding out that there's there's really no one equation. Um, and I think that was a big aha for me. Like I was trying to find it, trying to find it. And then I was like, there really isn't one way that we, you know, can find the value of our leaders and measure that return on investment. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, just going from there and looking into to training. So developing our leaders, like what does that investment look like? Um, you know, and one of those big numbers jumped out at, at us, you know, leadership training is a $366 billion industry. Say that um, again. How many billion? Say that again. Three three hundred and sixty six billion dollars globally. Yeah. I mean it's not like we're just, you know, maybe flirting with the idea of leadership. We're spending a ton of money on leadership annually. And it seems like we're not getting the return on investment that we ought to be getting out of it because like we still do stupid stuff. So tell me like okay, so I, I didn't mean to steal your thunder there. Keep going. <laughs> No, no, you're okay. Um, you know, and and then just just you know, taking that number and kind of digging into it a little bit more. So where are these companies spending, you know, that money? Um, and companies that invest more in their leadership development are, you know, are more likely to be on the most admired companies at Fortune 500. Those organizations that create more you know, leadership development programs outperform their competition 12 to months, 12 to one. So that's your return on investment. Like that's, that's the money. Okay. Um, you keep going over like important stuff fast outperform the competition 12 to one when they spend more on it. Now I'm sure it's, you have to calculate how much more they're spending. And again, right. this is more common sense, right? I mean, there's nothing in here that was like, well, I didn't think that was going to happen. If you spend more on leadership training, you get better leaders. Or if I spend more, I'm outperforming the competition. It makes sense. But 12 to 1 is a pretty significant ratio, right? 12 to 1 is huge, yes. Yeah. Okay. What else? Uh, so, you know, just from a return on investment, you know, standpoint, the other big thing that jumped out is that those results range anywhere from 147% return on investment to 633% return on investment when they're investing in those development programs yeah, and people and that, want it. And I mean, that's, that's really amazing. Like the proof is there 
that investing in leadership training uh, now again it has to be the right kind of leadership training it has to fit the organization you can't just be you know you're, you're not just sprinkling fairy dust or, or pixie dust right i mean you actually have to do the work but to when you when you do the work you get the reward or when you do you know make the investment you get the reward but 100 some odd to 600% that's pretty significant that is definitely very significant, uh, you know, and then in thinking about that, too, when we started looking at and uh, would creep into one of our topics. But when we started looking at that impact on our employees, you know, our our employees want that, you know, and, and you saw that in, in the numbers as well. So don't you want to be led by good leaders? Absolutely. Who, who doesn't? Absolutely. Who wants to have like the, the jerk of a boss or or people that, that think that management is leadership? No, nobody wants that. I mean, everybody wants to be led. They want to feel significant. OK, before you bleed into the other topics, you talked about the key questions were things like what? But what are you what are you going to do to sell this to upper management? Right. Um, the, the key questions as far as you know, selling the value of development leadership training to upper management. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that that a lot of that goes back to, you know, looking at where are the gaps, you know, what, what are we looking at? Um, you know, that, that's kind of that assessment piece of it, of, you know, what, what do the employees want one um, and being a little more proactive about it, uh, you know, getting that training in there. So I've been in organizations where you, know, you get, you get a management position, you get a leadership position, and then you go into training. It's kind of backwards. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. And so management, as long as they can see the, re, the return on investment and essentially, look, are, are we going to reduce co costs? Are we going to uh, in, get the desired impact? If they can show that, then mm -hmm. it becomes kind of a no-brainer. Um, but, yeah, right. the, the amount that it's – the, the direct linkages of it is just phenomenal. Okay, anything else in this category of ROI? Um, I think you kind of hit on it just a little bit. It, it really is looking at, you know, reducing costs, increasing impact. So that's, you know, however an organization decides to measure that, that's, that's what it comes down to. Yeah, okay. So now I want to talk about the second subsection, and that's this, great leadership as opposed to not great leadership. Okay. Tell me what the difference is. How do you measure it? How do you, I mean, what, just go ahead and tell me your results, your findings. This was probably the one I could have talked about all day. Okay. Well, <laughs> just, we don't have all day, but that's okay. Just <laughs> a, you do a thorough yeah. job talking about it, but go ahead. Just the, the, the numbers here were just amazing. And, you know, you find more on poor leadership than, than great leadership. Unfortunately. Um, so how is poor leadership affecting your organization? And then, you know, how do your great leaders make up for that? Uh, you know, and the numbers do speak for themselves. So turnover is huge. So turnover from poor leadership, it's one, one in two employees have said that they have quit an or a job because of their leader. Isn't, isn't so, that terrible? That just breaks my heart. Like we bring you in because you're full of potential, but then they leave because they can't stand working for the boss. Mm -hmm. That's that's terrible. That's oh. terrible. I mean, I think we've probably all been there. So, like, yep. you know, at, at some point, um, and you know, just 
you know, going from there, it's, you know, $11 billion in staff turnover each year is what it costs U.S. businesses when you have poor leadership. Um, so that number is just like, wow, 11, $11 billion. So, you know, um, some of the other numbers that I found were, you know, 50 to 70 percent, 50, 75% of managers will fail. Mm-hmm. And that yeah, goes back to that. That was one of the most stunning results to me. And this was from, uh, this was, was that a Gallup survey or something else? That was something else. Um, um, that was something else, yeah. 50 to 75% of managers fail. This, I, like, we don't think about the staggering amounts of bad leaders that are out there that are, ma- like, there's a great line from a book. Um, I'm trying to remember what the name of the book was, but it said, uh, you are the people you're are yeah yeah you're the people that your employees are talking about every night at dinner. Wow, that that's kind of crazy. Like I, I want them to be blessing me at dinner, not cursing me. Uh, <laughs> no, seriously, I, right. I want them to be bad mouthing. Like like what are the effects that management is having on their people? And we're not even thinking about that. But that is staggering. Fifty to seventy five percent of managers will fail. Yeah, and, and it puts the, there was another um, research study I found that the, the cost of poor management approaches $7 trillion. Say that again. Seven the, what? Globally, the cost of poor management approaches $7 trillion. We're not even talking billions anymore. We're talking yeah. trillions. Like, like Brilliant. the GDP of most nations doesn't even reach this. So, <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, th- you know, that those three things alone are like, you know, how do you how do you get away from that? How do we develop the better leaders? If we if we make more good leaders, mm-hmm. you know, can we can we offset what's happening with all this poor leadership? Sure. Um, you know, and you know, the poor leadership costs more money mm-hmm. and it affects your bottom line. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. What else do we find? Um, we found that you know one of the big things about that is like I was talking about the development is that you know coaches are better leaders than bosses. Right. And so the the mental model had been originally taken from the military, just mm-hmm. like obey my order, do what I say, you know, don't don't talk back, that kind of thing. That's not exactly the best way of winning friends and influencing people or, or getting the best out of them from, from the head up, not from the neck down, right? I mean, right. If you, what you want is a pair of hands from the neck down. Okay, I get what you're trying to do. But if you're trying to cap their potential and, and their understanding, not so well. But a coaching model, go ahead and talk about that. The coaching model, this one was Gallup research. So Gallup's research found that um, coaches are distinct, distinct in three ways. So they focus on engagement. They understand and leverage the talents and strengths of their employees, and they set clear expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, and engagement is one that just kept coming. At like at one point, you were like, "Okay, engagement, I get it." <laughs> like, you know? Yeah, like, but you know, but there's so much about engagement. Like if you get engagement right, everything else works. Everything else falls into place. I've explained this in class, but I say like, if you, if you have my back, you get my heart. 
Okay. If, if you demonstrate that you have my back, you get my heart. Well, now the next piece of that puzzle is engagement, because if, if I have your heart, now you're going to go through a wall for me. Sometimes we measure, well, are you in your seat? How long are you in your seat? As if that's going to create engagement, but you can be in your seat doing solitaire. <laughs> that just sitting at your desk doesn't mean that you're engaged. You're engaged when I get your heart. So back heart, which leads to engagement, which leads to performance, which leads to profitability. So that's absolutely. Okay. Keep going. Yep. Absolutely. Um, and then just to kind of piggyback off of that, the, the companies that have that strong coaching culture realize 70% higher productivity. Yeah. So it's and not, it's not just a, a culture where managers exist, but where it's a coaching culture where the managers perceive themselves as I'm coaching them along because your job as a leader is to not to do the work. It's to get work done through people and to coach them along to do it, to remove their obstacles and that kind of thing. So this, this makes sense. Again, it's all common sense, but yeah. you have the proof of like the actual results, which is great. Yeah. Um, and then I think the, uh, I had it in there, but, um, you know, coaches are when you look at millennials and that's a big part of our workforce now, It is um, that that is one of the big things that millennials say that they want, they want the development and they want coaches. Yeah. And that's a, that's a distinct shift because millennials are, they, they just as a group think differently than previous generations. So, okay. Okay. They do. What else? Um, from from that standpoint, from the from the poor bosses, I don't know. I have some other. I'm trying to see what other numbers I had in there. Those were the big ones to me. Those are what really really stood out. Okay, so yeah, I mean, it, it, it's pretty amazing what the data shows you of how you know how this works. Um, what you learn, and what's the next thing? So we talked about good and bad leaders. What's the impact of leadership on employees? Yeah, so it, it goes back again to to that you know getting that engagement and you know in organizations that are the best at engaging their employees achieve earnings per share that is four times that of the competition. I, so, so again, it's common sense, but but if you do, if you can get that engagement, you can mm -hmm. run circles around your your comp competition as long as you can get engaged employees. Okay. There's more here. I know that because I read the paper. I watched <laughs> the paper. I gave a very high grade, which was well-deserved because you understand you. great things. Keep going. Uh, you know, and, and that kind of goes hand in hand with when you have more engaged employees, you have a better employee experience. You have a better employee experience. You have a better customer experience. Right. So I've always been a firm believer of that. I didn't need to find that in my research. I, I've known that for years. Um, and so, you know, the research there shows that there was a correlation in a study that was done that was a five, five point improvement in employee satisfaction, mm -hmm. um, which then resulted in 1.3% improvement in customer satisfaction mm -hmm. um, and increased revenue 0.5%, which doesn't sound like a lot. <laughs> Well, but but think about that though. I mean, if you move engagement up, you move sat customer satisfaction up, which moves profitability. That's the sequence, right? So the the driver isn't just let's just try to satisfy the customer and pee on employees along the way. No, the driver is 
care about your people to engage them, and then everything else works in the sequence. Right. Um, because when they are disengaged, that lower productivity costs the U.S. economy $382 billion. And they're crazy disengaged, right? Like what? Crazy. Do you remember, do you remember what the percentage was? It hasn't moved in a number of years. The disengagement rate? Um, it has not moved in a while. I don't know if I have that specific number in here. Yeah. The one that I talked about specifically was that organizations with low engagement experience 18% lower productivity, 16% lower profitability, and a 65% lower share price over time. Yeah. And that, those are hard numbers, right? Those I mean, are hard numbers. Yeah. Okay. So the, the actual engagement rate is somewhere in the 30%. Range and it's and it's it's hovered there for years. Like so, there's seventy percent that's either actively disengaged or even there's a, a percentage of that that's working actively to sabotage the organization. Correct. It's crazy. I mean, wow. I just just wow. Yeah, I saw some studies that are starting to come out on the change of engagement now that a lot of employees are working from home and. Amazingly, it's going up. Yeah, because you're getting away from those turkeys at work, those bad managers that are like we learned in COVID, like just how unnecessary many meetings were. I mean, it's it's really remarkable. Like, oh, we don't have to do this because people are just justifying their position by having you know by pulling you into things that you don't have to do. Right. Yeah. So, okay. What else about engagement or uh, what else about impact on employees? Um, So I talked about a little bit about the development. Um, So, you know, effective leadership strategies are are absolutely vital in that employee engagement piece. Um, And it has to include development of current and future leaders. 55% of of CEOs was one of the things that I found that they say that developing the next generation of leaders is their top challenge. That's right. And they don't know how to, many times they don't know how to do it. I talked to a pastor who was talking about like, well, if I just create this leadership pipeline within my church and like his level of understanding was pretty low, but he was trying, he was, he recognized that he has to do this in order to get, so a lot of people, they don't know how to do it, but they know that they need to do it. So that, that, that number, that 55% number rings very true. Okay. Yeah. And, and that goes kind of into the next one, which is that in employees who have left a company, 94% in one study, and this one, this one was from a LinkedIn article, but 94% say that they would have stayed at a company longer if they invested in their career development. Isn't that amazing? Which goes back to that turnover number. Yeah, 11 billion in turnover, right? Wow. Uh Okay, what else? You have a little bit more here. Um, the, the little bit more is, you know, you talked about the, the heart and so it goes into that culture piece. Mm-hmm. Um, so the culture has to be a big piece of that engagement. So that organizational vision um, is also a great opportunity. Only 41% of employees agree that they know what their company stands for. <laughs> like, that's crazy to me. Yeah. Um, why are you doing the work that you're doing every day? 41% of people were saying, I don't know. You know, I thought about that and I, 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 this has been turning in my head for some days now. 
it's a difference between a mercenary and somebody who's fighting for a cause. So I was reading a book on revolutionary leaders by uh, Williams, uh, Williams, Pat Williams and Denny. Uh, it was talking about the founding fathers, their generation. And, you know, just it was talking about them and talking about leadership. Think about the difference between the German Hessian troops. Right. We captured on, on New on Christmas Eve, the German Washington captures the, uh, the German Hessians. Are they going to put up a fight like somebody who's defending their house? Right. I mean, yeah, they don't want to die. But I surrender. So it's the same thing here. If you're a mer if you don't know what you're even about in the in the marketplace, it's like you're a mercenary as opposed to if you're if you are so identified with the mission of the organization. That's like that freedom fighter, that that patriot who's going to I'm going to either win or die. Right. It, it's such a different. That's engagement. And if you don't know what your organization's about, of course, you're not going to be engaged at that level. Okay. Anything else? Right. And like 23% of people strongly agree that they believe in their organization's values. So out of the people who understand it, only a quarter. That's right. Believe. One in four. One, so you have one in four freedom fighting patriots and the rest are like mercenaries. Yeah. So, the the story there, and this seems like a pretty easy duh, is if you're in that one in four in that freedom fighting patriot kind of thing, you understand the organization, you identify with the culture and the mission and the vision, you're probably going to run circles around those that are just, you know, get getting their paycheck. I mean, that, that yeah. seems pretty, pretty obvious to me. Okay. Tell me what you learned in all of this. I mean, like, what was the big thing that stood out to you? Uh, the, the big things that stood out to me, you know, we've, we've touched on most of them. So you kept seeing the recurring themes, the, the engagement, the, you know, the, um, organizational culture, you know, so it, it all really kind of starts there. Who wants to go and work somewhere where they don't believe in what that company stands for? Right. Who wants to go and be somewhere where that culture isn't, you know, of something they want to be a part of, sure. uh, you know, so, so, so that was huge for me. And then obviously who wants to go and be somewhere where they're going to just have a manager versus a coach. And, the and coach the says, Hey, what are we going to do? Not what are you going to do? And the difference yeah. between a manager who really thinks like a manager who tries to lead you like a manager and someone who thinks about leading you like a leader or coach or or whatever that cares about you personally is night and day. And it's it's hard to even get your mind around the difference. But if you just want to you know, look at your spreadsheet and manage me like I'm one of your pieces of equipment, man, that's not going to work well. And we're going to leave. Right. Because I'm not a cog in your machine. So. Yeah. And I and I work in sales. And so, you know, it's very easy for those leaders to be managing a number or be you know, looking at, you know, how I get my people to get this number. Um, but I have been very lucky to work with some leaders who get my heart, you know, and, yeah. and they're invested in me. And, you know, they have taken this, you know, let me read your research, you know, super excited, you know, just to hear it and see it. Um, even my direct manager was like, I cannot believe some of those numbers, <laughs> uh, you know, so the, so they've been along the journey with me, you know, some of them over the whole seven years, uh, which is fantastic. Everybody doesn't get that. So you shared these findings with your boss, huh? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Made you look like a rock star, didn't it? <laughs> 
<laughs> Didn't I tell you? <laughs> you did. Yeah. I mean, so this this is some really significant research. You did a lot of spade work here, and you should be greatly praised for that. You got a fantastic grade for it. And I, I wanted you to share this because it was just that valuable. So thank you. thank you. I really appreciate you coming on. I always close my podcast with a quotation for contemplation. And here, this came from a book I read uh, a while back. I, actually, this quote is came... Um, they talk about this in the book, but uh, it comes from a, a Gallup article. But the quote is from Douglas Conan. Uh, if you get a chance to read his book, uh, it, it's well worth it. He said, you can't win the marketplace unless you win in the workplace. That's exactly right. You're not going to win the customer unless you win the employee. The customer is always right. Remember, your employees are customers in the labor force. And if you get that right, and you and you deal with that, then the other pieces it falls like dominoes. You get you get there, you, you show them that you have their back, you get their heart, then you get what's the key word? Their engagement. Their engagement, right? You get engagement, then they treat the customer right. The engagement turns into productivity, which turns into profitability. And that's the way that it works. Hey, Teresa, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing that with my listeners. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for pushing me along and getting me through this research. And I'm really, really excited about how it turned out. Absolutely. So am I. Thank you. Thank you.